Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and today we're going to be talking about the sun's ingress into the first decan of Taurus. So we'll be examining the first 10 degrees of Taurus today. We will look at some of the myths associated with the sign of the bull. We will look at some of the lunar aspects we're going to be experiencing over the course of this decanic transit, including a first quarter moon on the 20th and a full moon on the 26th. We'll examine a few fixed star conjunctions that we're going to be seeing over the course of this movement of the sun. And of course, we will tie it all together with an I Ching reading at the end of the video or podcast. So let's dive right into it. Hope that you're doing well out there. Um, I'm going to share my screen and we'll take a look at what we've got here. So happy Taurus season, everybody. Uh, this is a usually my favorite season. I would say that I am a, I'm a fan of, of Taurus season. I am a Taurus moon, uh, second decan, but he, neither here nor there. And uh, as a Cancer sun, it's a pretty important planet for me in my chart being right conjoined my midheaven. So I enjoy going outside and seeing all the flowers and trees blooming and the, um, I don't know, the beauty of spring and enjoying good food and, and planting seeds and preparing the garden and things of those natures. Uh, so that's one kind of way of thinking about Taurus. And I think that's the, the, the surface level of it is uh, enjoying the pleasures of Aphrodite. Um, but let's see if we can, we can add a few more layers to it. So the sun in particular is, is peregrine in, in Taurus. And here we're looking at the charts, two charts, April 19th to April the 29th. And uh, again, one of the things I wanted to start normalizing in like the videos that I do here and, you know, continue to, to speak about is the way that Martine Hermes was talking about a planet in a sign is the potter and the sign or the planet that is the host is the clay. So this is a really uh, interesting arrangement that we have because we have both the potter and and the clay in the same temple. So we have good quality clay because Venus has access to all of her own resources in her own temple. Now again, one way that I think that is important to think about Taurus, and this was echoed in this really good book that I have by Ariel Gutman, which is called Mythic Astrology, Archetypal Powers in the Horoscope. And it was a book that was written, I believe, in maybe the early 90s. Uh, yeah, early 90s, 1993. Um, but some of the Hellenistic stuff is echoed in that because of the reliance on myth. And I think that that's, a, that's an important way to bridge the gap, I think, between some of the astrology that's come out in the you know, decades before the Hellenistic revival and the things that came after, the techniques, because... I'm finding that the astrologers that had really rooted their technique in myth got much closer to the mark um, that we have experienced from you know understanding some of these source texts than than people who didn't. So I think that uh, knowing your mythological history can give you a, a another layer of meaning to really draw upon with these these omens and these symbols. Okay, so what are we talking about here? 
what what one of the things that we were we're talking about with this mythology mythic astrology book is they also made the observation and made it a point to point out that Taurus is both lunar and Venusian. And this is something I was talking about in my Mercury and Taurus video. And, you know, that has really been on my mind after watching Martin Hermes really great talk on images, houses, and I believe, uh, I don't know what the other thing was, but it was basically about the difference between signs, you know, planets, houses, and the arrangements of them all. And uh, he was talking a lot about, you know, exaltation lords being the the owner of the estate and the domicile lord being the, uh, like the butler or the person who was in charge of the day-to-day -day affairs. So this, this was echoed in Mythic Astrology where they pointed out that the sign of Taurus or the bull in general has part of uh, Venus there with the circle, but also it's got the crescent on top, and that's the crescent moon, right? So we've got the moon uh, really prominently placed even in that symbol itself. Uh, the qualities of generation, of bringing things into form, the fertility that we see in this, this season in particular in the Northern Hemisphere, these are all part of this Taurian experience. So yes, this is a fixed earth sign, um, but there is also kind of uh, this generative quality to it. So the host Venus will be co-present. We're going to be seeing the moon waxing during this decan. So the, the exaltation Lord will be waxing to fullness, um, coming into a, a little bit of a difficult square in the beginning of the cycle. And then by the end of the cycle, it'll be it'll be full. So a pretty creative time. Um, the sun will be co-present with both Venus, Mercury, and Uranus. Uh, and we are going to be seeing overcoming squares from Jupiter and Saturn to all of the Taurus placements right now. We do have a, a wholesale, a wholesale, a whole sign trine from Pluto and a whole sign sextile from Neptune and eventually from Mars when Mars moves into Cancer halfway through the cycle. So that's kind of the, the players in the game here, the people that are testifying to one another. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the Five of Pentacles and the Charities again today. Um, but what I wanted to start with is I wanted to read you a story. And this is a story from uh, Greek mythology, and it is the story of King Minos and the Minotaur, which is one of the myths that we see associated with Taurus, another one being Europa and the bull, uh, Jupiter as, as the bull, the white bull. Um, but let's talk about King Minos and the Minotaur, because I think this can bring us some interesting things to ponder as well. So this is from Pseudo Apollodorus, who was a Greek mythographer from the second century AD. And he says, Minos aspired to the throne of Crete, but was rebuffed. He claimed, however, that he had received the sovereignty from the gods. And to prove it, he said that whatever he prayed for would come about. So while sacrificing to Poseidon, he prayed for a bull to appear from the depths of the sea 
and promised to sacrifice it upon its appearance. And Poseidon did send up to him a splendid bull. Thus Minos received the rule, but he sent the bull to his herds and sacrificed another. Poseidon was angry that the bull was not sacrificed and turned it wild. He also devised that Pasiphae should develop a lust for it. Pasiphae was his queen, his, his wife. In her passion, in her passion for the bull, she took on as her accomplice an architect named Daedalus. He built a wooden cow on wheels, skinned a real cow, and sewed the contraption into the skin. And then, after placing Pasiphae inside, set it in a meadow where the bull normally grazed. The bull came up and had intercourse with it as if it were a real cow. Pasiphae gave birth to Asterius, who was called the Minotaur. He had the face of a bull, but was otherwise human. Minos, following certain oracular instructions, kept him confined and under guard in the labyrinth. This labyrinth, which Daedalus built, was a cage with convoluted flexations that disorders dis debauchment. <laughs> okay, that's interesting. Um, so kind of a wild story, right? So just to kind of maybe put this in plain English, uh, King Minos thought he had, you know, uh, he thought he was going to be, he had the, a, a right to the throne, a sense of entitlement perhaps, prayed to get a sign from the, the god of the sea, uh, you know, was given that bull, but was required basically to sacrifice it. He, he, you know, you always had to give something to the gods and sacrifice. And one of the things that was on my mind as I was thinking about this myth is we can think of the, the greed that could be inherent uh, in this story. Um, because Minos was not satisfied with just power. He needed to keep the the symbol of that power as well. And, you know, really like had an, a big integrity lapse. Um, he didn't give back. And, and I think that this is one of the keys that I've been really thinking about, and especially with the charities, when I've been talking about quotes with the charities in my previous videos where they talk about the joy of service to the, the, the charities were divinity attendants, and the true joy was in serving those those divinities. So I think that one of the th things we can glean from that is we have to give back to our communities. We can't just you know ask for power, ask for abundance, and then just hoard it. Um, we have to be able to make the sacrifice to the collective, to the to the divine, to the community. Um, so that's one part of it. Another part of this story is Pasiphae's lust. Um, we can become uh, beholden to our desires, and that can lead to creating a monster, okay? And I think that with, with Taurus in general too, part of the impulses that may come up is desire for beauty, for lust, for... Um, material things for creating growth you know this is the springtime where you know we're being inspired to procreate uh, but again everything in nature requires homeostasis a balance and equilibrium so this may be a warning as well not to become uh, overwhelmed by your physical desires your material desires 
lest you create some kind of monster that may lie hidden. That's the other thing to think about with this is the Minotaur was banished to a labyrinth. You know, it was like kind of repressed. It was it was put underground. All right. And we've got Daedalus, another maybe another aspect of Taurus, this this very skilled craftsman. Very similar, I think, to Hephaestus on some level. Um, Hephaestus, of course, was the husband of Aphrodite. And, you know, there are different authors, including Liz Green, that talk about thinking about Taurus as a combination of Aphrodite and Hephaestus, where we are, you know, searching and trying to create beauty and procreate, but it requires the hard work of, of a blacksmith. And it requires us to get our hands dirty. And it's not always pretty, the process that goes into creating abundance. I think the same thing with Daedalus here is Daedalus was a very skilled craftsman. Uh, and there is some other stories associated with Daedalus and uh, an apprentice, his nephew, Talus. And Talus was a very uh, prodigious young person uh, that sort of um, made Daedalus feel a little bit threatened. He had his own son, Icarus, that was maybe not as, as skilled, maybe a little slower. And um, there came a point where Daedalus uh, threw Talus, the young, talented, prodigious Talus, off of the Acropolis and, and murdered him. And of course, this was, he tried to escape justice at one point and um, <clears throat> fled to Minos. And there's some point in the story where he was fleeing, he was trying to make these uh, wings. And this is the story of Icarus, right? Where we, he was make, Daedalus was making wings out of feathers and, and gluing them together with wax and warned his son not to fly too low, lest the, the feathers become saturated with seawater. Um, and then not to fly too high, lest the, the wax would melt in the heat of the sun. And of course, young Icarus did not heed his father's warning and flew too high and the wax melted and he drowned in the sea. So there's a lot of, um, there's tragedy associated with Daedalus as well. So I think that it, maybe it's also a warning to um, find inner satisfaction, not to maybe look over your shoulder at, at who is doing what, you know, like be, be uh, you know, peaceful with, with your own process. Try not to feel threatened by other people's, you know, skills or talents, jealousy, right? Um, also, you know, be mindful of what we're creating and, and realize that, that there is, uh, there is consequences sometimes for what we are bringing into the world. And sometimes they, they can be tragic consequences. So, uh, it's again, let your integrity be your guide. Let your sense of service be your guide. Let your ability to provide resources back to the whole guide you. Um, I talked about this at length in my Mercury video, and I don't want to completely rehash it here, but really the idea of a healthy community can provide better for individuals. And if we as individuals are contributing to a community and, and taking care of it as a healthy, I don't know, organism on some level, it will, it will be able to provide for us. So, so creating a system that is fair and that is able to provide for everyone is hopefully something that could bring more prosperity for everyone. And this was something that, you know, the, the, the 
philosopher Karl Marx was talking about with his communist manifesto. He had, he had, he was a double Taurus. He had the sun and moon in the second decan of Taurus, which is associated with charity and with, with that generative quality. It was a really fertile decan. He of course had an Aquarius rising and a Saturn Uranus square. Um, and some of his ideas have been taken to extremes and have been fallen into human corruption as, as, as ideas and ideals do. Um, but on, uh, there are probably some other examples of, of it, you know, working out. I think the, the motivation behind his idealism was to provide for people, was to make sure that everyone had enough and that the community was healthy. So if we look at it from that perspective, how can we bring that into our Torian type of experiences? Rather, rather than, I think, some of the challenges that we face as we get to the point in, uh, at least in my country, um, with late stage capitalism, where we have kind of, I don't know, it's, it's kind of become almost a caricature of itself. And it has gotten to extremes where we have this extreme stratification of wealth um, because there are certain people that have been able to kind of like consolidate it and, you know, um, uh, what is it, leverage people's labor to become rich. And this was one of Karl Marx's, you know, great innovations, I guess, is, you know, pay people for their labor, you know, make sure that the laborers are fairly compensated rather than having all of the, the, the wealth just shoot straight up to the, to the top people that aren't actually doing the labor. So we, we're really seeing that now with the, the stratification of wealth in, in Western society. So that's not sustainable. That's the type of thing that we, when we get to a certain point, that that's what sparks revolutions. And we're probably heading to another revolution of sorts. Um, whether it is a revolution in thinking or a physical revolution, we've got those Saturn-Uranus squares happening right now uh, where we are trying to, to redistribute uh, rights, resources, and things of that nature to, to hopefully create a, a community that is, is more functional. So something to consider with Taurus. Taurus is not just about what can I get for me? What can I collect? What can I what can I get? It's about what can I generate and what can I contribute to the whole. All right, so let's uh I wanted to just throw that out there cuz I thought that myth was really uh poignant for talking about maybe the pitfalls of Taurus, greed and lust. Of course, um the hero Theseus uh, was able to slay the Minotaur with the health with the help of Ariadne and uh, her string that she gave him and held onto outside of the labyrinth to lead him back out. So there is like this feminine assistance that we can get, sometimes just through appreciating the cycles of nature. This is another thing to think about with Taurus in general, is it is a very much associated with patience, perseverance, um, with unifying the body uh, with spirit, um, Taurus was also the 11th house in the Thema Mundi, a philosophical natal chart that was used to teach Hellenistic concepts. And the 11th house had to do with, um, you know, the support that we have to create action out in the world. 
So it is a, a house that has to do with benefactors, with group consciousness, with supporting people that support one another. Okay, so this is another like secret esoteric meaning with Taurus is really seeing it. Uh, if we if we had to do this conflation with houses and with images or signs, you know, it is it is not Aquarius on the eleventh house. It's it's Taurus with that Thema Mundi. Okay, and we may be in danger of doing you know doing the same cardinal sin of of the twelve letter alphabet that we we as traditional astrologers sometimes criticize uh, modern astrologers for doing. But I do think that if that concept were to be played out, um, seeing that sign on the 11th house makes sense to me. Um, and we can also see that, you know, the, 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 the most prominent card in the, in the tarot, the six of pentacles, I think, has to do with charity, with, with giving out alms, in um, horary, 11th house has to do with money from the government, okay? So like your tax return, things like that, things that you are receiving from an organization, okay? But you had to pay into that to, to receive, you know? It's, it's, it's really your money. You've paid into that, and then they're giving it back to you to a certain degree. And we are contributing something in those taxes to create shared public goods and services like roads, like municipal services, um, all of the things that we enjoy in a, in a civilized first world country, that's what your taxes are going to pay for, you know, idealistically. Now, yes, we can have arguments whether those tax dollars are being used the way that we want to, you know, politically or whatnot, but ideally, that's what taxes should be used for, for shared resources to the collective. So I think that another way to think about Taurus too is uh, you've got to pay pay your dues, and eventually you may receive something for for your contribution to the whole. Okay, if we have a solid tax base providing for healthy, um, you know, healthy rail systems or something, we're going to be able to move resources and people throughout the the world. If we have you know a, a railroad that's broken, nothing moves. Okay, if we have a road that is you know in disrepair. Uh, Everybody suffers from that. So that's another interesting way of thinking about Taurus and, and the, the common good. This is echoed in the I Ching reading that came up today, too. I got the gathering together, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But, um, yeah, it's, it's really fascinating to see those, those um, significations kind of play off one another. So let's talk a little bit about the, the first decan in particular. So the first decan we see the five of pentacles, and the, we have these two destitute figures in a snowstorm outside of a church. These figures have uh, fallen on hard times. Uh, there may be worry about uh, sustaining poverty, uh, lack, or things of that nature. Um, this card really is about having faith and potentially divine intervention. Benabel Wen talks about this in her very good book, Holistic Tarot. Talks about uh, we may be worrying about resources, but this requires us to uh, have the faith like this um, stained glass window here. They're outside of a church. Are they going into the church? Are they coming out of the church? Have they just made a prayer for, for assistance? This Deccan also is ruled by Mercury in the face system. So this is about making plans. Potentially because you are feeling some worry about not having enough, 
you get to work. You start to become Hephaestus. You start to become Daedalus and, and use your talents and your skills to plant the seeds or to prepare the fields. This is really the area where we're preparing the fields to be planted. And the seeds and the work happen in the second deck and the consistency, the rhythms of nature. And then we have to kind of protect those crops in the third decan of Taurus. We have to manage them. We have to get rid of the, the pests or the bugs that threaten those things that we've tried to create or get rid of diseases on the plants themselves. So, uh, and that comes through faith as well. Like we've planted the, the, the seeds, we've, we've watered them the appropriate amount, and now we have to have faith and pray that they will come to fruition. That's the end of Taurus there. Okay, so that's the, the tarot. The charities, of course, were those three graces that were attendants of the gods who took joy in service. If you want to get more of a deep dive on the charities, I do have a Venus in Taurus and a Mercury in Taurus video where I talked about that in depth, but it talks about multiplying gifts by giving. So again, some of the themes we've been talking about here. Let's do a little bit of examination uh, with the daily transits through Taurus 1. And we will uh, get to the I Ching and, and hopefully wrap it up here in under an hour. Um, we start off here on the 19th with a conjunction with a fixed star called Mirak. Mirak was in Andromeda. So this was a, a fixed star uh, that Brady talks about with having an interest in beauty, um, with potentially ignoring the ugliness in life and promoting peace. So, you know, at the beginning of this week, we may not want to see the, the difficult truths and uh, we may you know, want to get lost in our Torian indulgences, you know, but we must also might have some nice experiences where we're able to see the beauty in life and, and we're able to, um, you know, see the, excuse me, the bright side of something. As we move forward to the 20th, okay, we're going to see the uh, first quarter moon square, all right, where I'm recording this on the 20th. Uh, I was working on Mercury and Taurus yesterday, so so it goes. But here we are experiencing the square between the moon in Leo and the sun in Taurus. So these are reflective of the both the five of pentacles that we described and the five of wands. So the five of wands is a card of, of competition. We see figures that are battling for position. This decan is called the spotlight in 36 faces. And it is a Saturn-ruled Deccan. So there is some confusion potentially about what role that you are supposed to play and what kind of, uh, you know, what kind of way that you're going to create authenticity out in the world. So this may be a, a challenge with resources versus, you know, creating, you know, facing competition for those resources with this first quarter square. And I mean, I think that the, the key resolution with that is realizing that, uh, yes, we do live in a, a world that is somewhat materially limited, but the power of nature, the generative power of nature is, uh, is eternal and unlimited. It doesn't mean that we can always, you know, utilize all the resources in an unlimited way, but this is just having faith that there's enough to go around and, you know, only taking your fair share, uh, recognizing that by using your authenticity, you will find the resources that you need to carry out your projects, to carry out your vision, 
Um, we are seeing an opposition with Saturn here with this moon too. So there, there may be some other things where we're having some frustrations uh, by experiencing a little bit of lack. We do have, you know, Saturn is a planet of, of uh, denial. It is a planet of exile. So this is a little bit of like a T-square with these two planets. But, you know, there's going to be cycles of abundance and there's going to be cycles of uh, contraction. So that's part of the, the cycles of nature. And, you know, embracing all of it, I think, is good. We do, we do a waxing moon right now, so we are trying to bring things into fruition. Um, this just may be a part uh, of time where we are uh, running into some challenges with that. Okay, so that's our first quarter moon on the 20th. Also, you know, there may be issues of pride involved with this too. Um, I don't know. The, the key with this is really how can we unify rather than compete, you know? Sometimes we don't always have to be like the special one to get something done. How Maybe there's a point where you can kind of take a backseat and you can you know, not have to be the one that's out front all the time. That that might be one of the things that is happening with this first quarter square too. Like, is the project itself more important or is your ego more important? You know, the work's got to get done somehow. And sometimes we have to swallow our pride to to really do the hard work necessary to, to get the job done itself. Hephaestus, you know, was not a beautiful god. He was, of course, one of the, the least attractive of the Olympian gods, but that wasn't important to him. Beauty, Beauty was not necessarily his superpower. It was the ability to work hard, and and it was about his skill. And he, of course, was uh, married to Aphrodite, who was able to bring beauty into the world. But the marriage of those two is really interesting to think about. So rely on your Hephaestian skill and hard work at this point. All right, as we move forward uh, in the cycle here, we see that around the 22nd, Venus, the host, the clay, the butler, the, uh, the provider of significations is going to make a conjunction with Uranus. So this is going to have an effect on the sun too. Sun being something that is trying to command, bring, administrate, bring awareness. It is the concept of selection, authority, vitality. And the clay that we're being provided with from Venus is harmonization, unifying, purifying, attraction, desire, beauty, love. And of course, we can't forget the exaltation Lord who is collecting, bringing things into form, reflecting on things, manifesting, creating change, growth and decay. Okay, so those are all coming into, pl into, into play. But on the 22nd, the host of the sun uh, we may have an awareness of uh, some shocking events that have something to do with our resources, uh, with Venus matching up with with the Promethean influence of Uranus, where we either may experience a, a loss or we may experience a windfall. Um, sometimes a loss for one is a gain for another. Uh, there may be some some shakeup in the systems that we are experiencing that, that create uh, a little bit of challenges with the way that we think about our resources. You know, we do have this overcoming square to Saturn that is, you know, like I said, I've said in other videos, it's the elephant in the room that we cannot ignore. Um, Jupiter is trying to help, but uh, right now we're, all of these planets are kind of running into an obstacle by by having that square that they're running into. There, There is some kind of no that is coming 
um, with this with this square to Saturn. So maybe maybe we get innovative with the way that we have to provide for ourselves because of a, a limitation. You know, sometimes the most brilliant ideas come through being faced with scarcity, come through through really difficult challenges that force us to come up with new ideas. So this could be something that's going on around the 22nd as we, we could really be, you know, it could, it could necessitate innovative thinking when it comes to how we provide for ourselves and others because of the, some of the social challenges that we're facing in the collective right now, social distancing, inequality as far as how the law is applied and things like policing and things of that nature. So another thing to consider, um, we are seeing some changes right now with uh, the way that we use currency too. Um, we have things like cryptocurrency and non-fungible tokens that are shaking up um, the both the art world and you know the I don't know the the powers that be. So that's something that we could see some some action with at the end of the week. Uh, so some some cryptocurrency fluctuations. Um, we could see some things with NFTs potentially. And again, I, I said in my other video, I'm not an expert in these new new technologies. So don't go sell or buy cryptocurrency or NFTs based on my recommendations because there's other, uh, even there's other astrologers out there that specifically focus on some of the trends with that. And I wouldn't want you to um, change your portfolio based on my very, very limited understanding of how these things work. I'm just kind of taking a look at the sky and seeing that there's probably definitely going to be some kind of disruptive, une unexpected event that's happening around the 22nd and the 23rd. Um, around the 24th, around this period between the 22nd and the 25th or so, you know, Mercury will also make its conjunction with Uranus. Okay, so another shakeup. Mercury, of course, being a planet of commerce. So this is another thing where business could get shaken up around that period of time. We are going to see the host, Venus, make that square that I was telling you about on the 25th. So again, this is where we're maybe trying to clean up something that has fallen into disrepair with the Venus-Saturn uh, square. Um, Saturn having to do with things that are dirty or neglected and Venus uh, having to do with purifying and cleansing things. So potentially this could be trying to clean up a situation by uh, throwing resources at it. You know, we've got the Six of Pentacles where Venus is at, and we have the, the Six of Swords where Aquarius is, or I'm sorry, where Saturn is in Aquarius. So we're trying to make a transition to a new reality. We're trying to have communication between the haves and the have-nots, between the center and the periphery. And potentially there might be some either some resources that are distributed um, to correct an imbalance, or we could maybe feel like we're being denied something as well. We we're feel like we're being denied fair distribution of resources with with Venus hitting that that square. So something to keep in mind. On that same day, Mercury will conjoin uh, Venus as well at 13 degrees of Taurus. So a lot of action between the 22nd and the 26th, which is the lead up to our full moon. Okay. So the full moon is going to happen on the 26th in the, I believe the early hours here, the late, sorry, the late hours of the 26th in the Eastern time zone, you know, right around 1130 PM. 
at about seven degrees of Scorpio. And the sun will be at seven degrees of Taurus, which is conjoined a fixed star called Hamal. Now, Hamal was a fixed star in the constellation Aries, the ram. Um, because of precession, the constellations do not match up exactly with the tropical zodiac, which is more based on the interplay of light and dark. So we are seeing some of the stars of Aries uh, in, you know, having conjunctions with tropical Taurus placements. So this fixed star has to do with potentially rash, headstrong actions, um, maybe taking an action instead of talking about it, uh, independent work, following your own path. Um, and there is a, an interesting mutual reception with the moon and Mars here. So they are exchanging resources, but they're both in their fall. So one of the things that we could see here, and I'll talk about this more on the live stream that I plan to do for the full moon, probably Friday, but I haven't decided. If, let me know in the comments if you would prefer for me to do it maybe on Saturday or Sunday rather than Friday, because the actual full moon's on Sunday, but I like this Friday kind of thing, but we'll see. Let me know what, what your preference is, and I'll take a, take those votes into consideration. Um, but what I think about with this is that we have these two cards, the five of pentacles, worry over the future and resources. And we may be actually experiencing some kind of loss with the five of cups representing the lunar, um, the lunar decan. So this is something where we may have been trying to bring something into fruition, but we either might require help or we might need to uh, change our perspective, not to what we have lost, but to what resources we still have. Because if we see this figure, he has two cups that are still standing behind him. He has three cups in front of him, but two cups that are still standing. So this is kind of like mourn your losses, but but get back to work after that, you know? And you might benefit uh, you might benefit from some really difficult circumstances with the mutual reception between the moon and Mars. Okay, so this is there's probably something difficult in those areas of your life, but it but it it's probably going to work out okay because they are trying to help one another and provide for one another. Okay, so just if something comes up like with the Uranus, you know, Venus conjunction, um, try not to just get too bent out of shape. Uh, if you experience a loss with your resources or, or, you know, you fear loss from those events, you know, just get centered again, take stock of what you still have available to you. Um, try not to take rash actions. I mean, this is really about trying to, to find your consistent center again. I do think our routines are probably going to be shaken up a little bit by this Uranus kind of being a part of all this, but you know, the wheel keeps spinning and we can get tossed about by riding on the, the outer rim or we can connect with the center of the wheel and with what is eternal and, you know, not be tossed about. It's like connecting with the hub, connecting with the center. And then the twists and turns of fate and fortune, um, they're not going to toss you about so much. You're not going to be just going on this emotional roller coaster as the wheel continues to spin because it's just uh there's going to be times where we're at the top and times we're at the bottom and and that's just nature there's times for growth there's times for consolidation and contraction and decay 
birth and death. It is the, the eternal dance that we are doing. So that's the full moon. If we move forward another day, after potentially feeling like we need to be impulsive with Hamal and this full moon due to potentially experiencing some losses, uh, on the next day, the 27th, sun's going to be conjoining eight degrees of Taurus and making an application to its own application to Uranus. So we may really be aware of some shakeups in our life that are going to come to fruition probably a few days later. But this is a this is the sun conjoining the fixed star Shadar, which is in the constellation Cassiopeia, the queen. So whatever is revealed to us at the full moon, whatever losses we may experience, it's going to require dignity to and to and authority that is uh, gentle. Okay, leadership with grace, the kind of this this you know feminine sovereignty that doesn't push but just is like able to take care of things in a way that a oh that a that a powerful maternal figure might so it's kind of just about relax you know keep your wits about you keep your dignity about you whatever you experience as loss is probably not you know as bad as it seems um, and there are still things available to you if you shift your perspective pluto also stations retrograde on the 27th so there may be some bureaucratic issues uh, in the collective that are going to be re-examined over the course of the next few months with, with Pluto moving through the third decade of Capricorn. All right, so that is what I've got for um, transits. Now let's, let's look at this uh, hexagram and we'll, like I said, we'll tie a bow on it and we'll see if we can get you out of here and on with your day. Let's see if I can get myself out of here and on with my day. <laughs> At least more, more like it. So many videos. Really what I'm trying to do is get through this so I can have time to just go do some more reading. It's been difficult sometimes to find time to just to read for, for my own pleasure rather than for the videos themselves. I, I do read for the videos quite a bit. Um, but there's some other projects I want to do that aren't necessarily... Deccan based that I have. I have so many good books. I ordered a few more. I'm so bad. My my new um, astro colleague, Shu Yap, uh, she recommended a book. I believe it's called Tiny Universe. Let me see. Who is it by? Uh, it is by Joy. Oh, man. Hold on a second. Let me find this. I always like to share our sources. So let's see. So it is, I, I ordered this book. It is called A Tiny Universe and a Tiny Universe's Companion. Um, oh, God. Well, her name, just check that out. Her first name is Joy. I'm not particularly sure what the last name of the author is. Um, but if you type that into your search engine, you can find it. And, and it's really, it, it, she talks about the Thema Mundi and Hellenistic techniques. So pretty cool. Uh, a nice recommendation from, from a, a very knowledgeable astrologer that I look forward to in, engaging with both of their work more. Okay, so we have the hexagram 45, which is called 
gathering, gathering together, massing, joining with others, assembling, having a common cause, holding yourself together, which would be great for Taurus because it is about inner peace, I think. Having a common cause, pitching in, cooperating between leaders and followers. Okay, so Hilary Barrett asked with this, this hexagram, what is asked of you? What are you investing in? And, you know, investing could be materially, could be, uh, you know, in your relationships. It could be with uh, whatever it is that could help you to take action out in the world, you know, 11th house style. So the quote that comes with this hexagram, which is the trigram lake on top of the earth. Lake is about abundance that comes from uh, being receptive. Okay. Gathering together success, the king approaches his temple. It is beneficial to see a great person. Success. It is beneficial to persevere. Bringing a great offering means good fortune. It is beneficial to have somewhere to go. So this talks about fostering unity by uh, having skill um, and, and by having patience. It talks about finding a shared sense of purpose. This was important. Finding what brings us all together, a shared history, a shared community, a shared, uh, the people that you live with on your block, the people you live with in your household. Um, what connects you? Finding what connects you together. What symbols can you rally around? Sometimes there are powerful symbols that help us find a sense of shared meaning. That's what we're doing with these astrological reports here and mythological reports is finding these symbols that we can find meaning in and potentially rally around. You know, sometimes symbols can be abused, so don't get too fixated on the symbol. Concentrate more on the, the humanity and the essence behind the symbol. Uh, assemble resources for a great project. Devote yourself to a mission. Share your enthusiasm with others. So this talks about cooperation on a large scale. So Taurus 1 and Taurus season is very much colored by the the squares from Saturn and, and Jupiter in Aquarius, really asking us to take the, the, the higher view, the long-range view, the communal view, and work together to overcome some challenges and to create prosperity uh, for, for the collective good. Okay, again, we're, we're still working through uh, the pandemic. We're still working through trying to save people's lives and, and keep people out of the hospital. And we can all do our parts uh, with that, whether it is through social distancing and continuing to have discipline about uh, maybe mitigating some of our desires and you know maybe making some sacrifices for the collective good. I know everyone's tired. I, I, I'm tired too. Maybe it's through uh, getting vaccinated so that you are able to, uh, you know, go out without fear that you could be spreading the disease to those that are vulnerable, um, and potentially contracting it and allowing the disease to mutate further and, and prolonging some of the uh, the time that we are going to be dealing with this challenge. Um, those are all small acts that you can do to to add to the collective good. Maybe it's about how can you provide resources for those that are suffering in your community that have maybe lost their jobs or that have are are that don't have enough. Uh, how can you you know check in with the, maybe the elderly people in your community that have less access to the internet or to um, digital resources that may be feeling really 
isolated right now, checking in with those people, giving them a call on the phone, like reaching out, you know, something like that. Um, there's all sorts of ways that you can make a contribution to the whole that can bring a healthy, healthy awareness to your community. Um, maybe it's through educating people, through through systems that are more fair for the collective. Maybe it is through giving up some of your own privilege so that others can have uh, a fair amount. Maybe it is through understanding that when you give to the whole, you're giving to yourself as well, because you are the whole, you are part of the whole. And when we contribute to our communities, we are, we are trying to contribute. Um, we're trying to take care of ourselves. Again, a healthy community can provide for individuals better. So keep that in mind as we move through Taurus season. Um, I think that's what I've got for you today. If you have other ideas on how we can contribute to the whole and how we can create prosperity uh, and create a more healthy community, I would love to hear that in the comments. Please leave me a comment in the comment section. Uh, one of the easiest things you can do to create community and to get this message out to the most amount of people uh, is to hit that like button. Make sure you're subscribed to the channel. Hit that notification bell so you know when these videos come out. If you'd like to make a material donation to the work that I do, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com. Uh, that is the model that I have chosen to try to create a more egalitarian uh, reciprocity type of um, relationship where the material is going to be put out there and anybody can can consume it, whether they are of means or not. And it allows the people that are less fortunate or may have been oppressed by the system to still get this information. While the people that have benefited from the system, I would encourage you to make donations to keep it available uh, and allow it to be free for everyone else. And also so that Spencer can keep the lights on and keep doing the research and, and acquiring the, the resources necessary to be able to interpret the stars for you. So that's my little spiel at the end here. Thank you so much for everybody that has been participating. Thank you for your comments, for your um, your contributions. Uh, it takes a village to do these things. Uh, you are helping me to be more prolific and to be more creative and to be to generate hopefully what is a, a lasting resource for the astrological community. And I hope that these these resources you found value in it and you found learning and some of these teachings and i continue to learn and benefit from 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 you and exchanges with you as well so thank you so much for being a part of it and we're in this together and we can do it all right we can do it together we can get past this difficult time and uh there is a brighter tomorrow that i am happy to join with you to help create so that's what i've got for today uh, be kind to one another join together collectively with one another most of all, find that inner peace by being kind to yourself, and I'll see you the next time. Peace, everyone.